Let's Talk Sports. Sports Phone with Big Al is live on 1061 ESPN. in and we're ready to go the pitch swing and a drive right field way back and gone off the scoreboard and right a Schwarbaum no doubt about it Kyle Schwarber first pitch of the game with a rocket to right one nothing Phillies and this place has come undone speaking of no doubters here's Bryce Harper the pitch Swing and a high fly ball drilled right center field way back. Gone! Bryce Harper, a solo homer, and the Phillies lead it two to nothing as he circles the bases, and they're going crazy here at the bank. And now, the voice of reason and the dean of Richmond Radio. Here's Big Al on 1061 ESPN. Rangers rock. Phil's roll. Final scores. 5-4 Texas. Philly 5-3 winners. Rangers up two zip going home and will throw Scherzer tomorrow night at the Houston Astros. Phil's lead one zip. Game, you know, one game to zip with game two tonight up in Philadelphia. Schwarzer, Schwarbaum, kind of like that. Uh, of course, I mean, the guy hits home runs and drives in runs and that type of thing. We can't hit, uh, we can't hit water falling out of a boat on the ocean with a buck eighty-five or that. I think it was his batting average going in the last night. He hit 197 for the year, but he serves a purpose. He gets it done. He makes the money. He's a, a important cog in the Philadelphia Philly wheel. So there you have it. Phillies win. He's a, that's a leadoff homer. He bats leadoff. Uh, the times I've looked, he's always uh, you know been batting leadoff. And in football last night, uh, Chargers couldn't get it done. Could not get it done. A good game toe to toe for quite a while. Um, I did not stay up to watch the finish. I mean, I'm just not going to do it. And uh, it, it was the Chargers did take that lead. Excuse me, Cowboys took the lead. Chargers tied it up. Cowboys kicked a field goal late. And then um, uh, a sack, an interception, and game was over. Uh, the second interception occurred against the San Diego, excuse me, L.A. Chargers. So there you have it. There you have it. 2017 is your final in that game. Unfortunately, if you're a, f- a fan of any other team in the NFC East, uh, or just don't like the bovine cartel. Uh, it was 10-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, and that was that. Uh, golly, I was hoping the Chargers could pull it out. I got watched it in the third quarter, and that was about it for me. So, anyway, the Chargers fall to 2-3. and three. The bovine cartel elevates to four and two they have a bye this week as i mentioned to you yesterday there are six teams six count them six teams with a bye uh coming up this coming weekend uh that's a uh that's a nice chunk of teams that will be off so uh there you have it the uh 
uh, I tell you, Prescott had a good game. Uh, what I watched, he had a good game. So uh, that's that. I mean, he did. He's capable. He ran. He, he ran. He scrambled for a touchdown. It was 19 yards. Uh, touchdowns, what he had, I believe it was, 18 yards. He was 21 for 32, 72, threw a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, and then uh, also ran for one on a pretty, pretty play, a ball that he almost fumbled. Uh, that was kind of like, whoa, hold on, hold on there, dog. But, of course, I was hoping for a fumble. Herbert for the Chargers, 22, 37, 227. So there you have it. Uh, Pollard ran 15 times for 30 yards. I, I don't know if he's the answer, but there it is. Uh, of course, Ezekiel uh, Elliott playing for New England, he's somewhat of a spent shell. Anyway, that's the end of this weekend. Week 6 is over. Cowboys 20, Chargers 17. Rangers, uh, of course, leading 2-zip now, as I mentioned in the opening in games, and the Phils draw first blood against the, the one and only Arizona Diamondbacks. Who I'm guessing they haven't been to the World Series since '03. When uh, that was the that was the Marlins. '01. They were playing the Yankees in '01. They had Schilling, and I was going to say Schilling and Esposito, but uh, Schilling and uh, Randy Johnson. A little different there. Randy Johnson, the big hoss, all six ten of them. And it, I, I'm sure you've seen this. And it's the pitch where he throws and hits a. a it looks like a pigeon. Of some sort as it crosses. You've seen that, haven't you, not Robert the Bruce? Yeah, I've seen that one. I mean, bird explodes. You got. I mean, I, I like animals. I don't like to shoot innocent deer. I was coming down the road this morning. There was one deer crossing the road, so I slowed down, and another deer, and then a little little puppy deer. I guess a fawn. I guess is it a female or male? They call it fawn. I don't know. Anyway, I, I you know you know these things. You don't pay attention to them after a while. But a little young deer. So they all crossed the road, and I was happy, and they were happy, and. Life is nothing but seashells and balloons up, up, and away, lollipops and all that. So anyway, the uh, as Chuck No used to say, um, that the uh, I, I just it was funny to see that bird explode uh, <laughs> because it was the top out wrong place at the wrong time. Anyway, they were in a one. It was the time back. So I'm guessing that's the last time they may. I don't think they've been back since, but they they. Uh, they did win the World Series that year. All right, this is Sports Phone, by the way. I uh, just wanted to open up with those three uh, sporting events, the Texas Rangers and the uh, Houston Astros, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks, and, of course, the Bovine Cartel and the uh, L.A. Chargers. And your final there, a field goal difference, 20-17. to 17. What a shame. We have Kutch... Uh, Kutch. Let's get that mouth working this morning. We're going to do exercises. Huseman, Coach Russ Huseman will join us in a few minutes. Talking about the big, big, big win up at uh, Rhode Island Saturday against the Rhode Island Rooster Red Rams uh, up there. And they will play NCA&T this Saturday down there. Uh, also, Mitch Tischler. Now, I wrote down 9 o'clock, but I, you know, I was thinking somewhere in the back of my mind, he's not at 835, is he? For some reason, I was thinking that. You know, I, I wrote down 9, I think I might have written down 835 even. I might have done it both ways on that. I got him at 835 yesterday, I wrote down 835. Today, I wrote down 9 on my calendar, put it down. Now, what time do we have Mitch Tischler there, Moose? Now, I got to go check, man. You've made me. <laughs> okay. You've, you've, you've <laughs> just said it too many times, now I got to go check. Well, that's funny. You're not laughing. <laughs> we'll get it straight. <laughs> yeah, nine nine a.m. Nine a.m. Nine fifteen. 
Was it 915? 915. 915. Now, that one I didn't even see. All right, we'll have him at 915. We'll talk about the Mule Skinners, their win in Atlanta, uh, what it means for Sam Howell, what it means for the defense, and what it means for one young man who did not get a snap by the name of Emmanuel Forbes Jr. Uh, he had played anywhere from 38% to 92% of the snaps per game in his five in the five previous games. Of course, the 38% was game five against the Bears, where he did get benched. So he did not sniff a snap uh, against Atlanta on Sunday. That did not happen. He didn't get on the field. He could see the field. He could watch the field, but he didn't get in and didn't play. So what does this mean for a, a number one draft pick who was supposed to be a ball hawk, supposed to be a – not you know, regardless of his six foot or six one one sixty frame, man. I tell you, that's what I I used to be something thin like that. Well, didn't we all really? And so yeah, he's been getting torched. He got torched against Philadelphia, and he got torched against the Bears. Plain and simple, no other way to say it. He got used, abused, used. Hey, we're throwing your way. Be ready. Bam, touchdown. Bam, long completion. Doesn't matter. They got him. And then uh, the Bears saw it, and they carried the Bears to a 40-20 to win over the Mule Skinners on Thursday night two weeks ago. It happens. The kid needs to sit down and watch. Watch film. Watch the game as, it, uh, as it's played. Uh, Danny Johnson had a late uh, knockdown that helped I think, save the game for Washington, or at least save the potential touchdown two-point conversion in uh, Davis with a pick at the very towards the very end. So there you have that. Uh, so we'll talk about these things with uh, Mitch Tischler, nine fifteen uh, uh, today, and then tomorrow we'll have, um, of course, uh, Habo on Thursday. Tomorrow will be at nine o'clock. John Freeman. The voice of the Virginia Cavaliers will join us coming off a bye week, coming off their win over Women Mary Saturday before last, and looking down the barrel of a North Carolina, 10th ranked North Carolina football team. So that'll be a tall order for the uh, Virginia Cavaliers down there in uh, Tar Heel land. The, Cav- the Cav- Carolina Tar Heels are 10, or excuse me, 6 and zip, and are number 10 in the country with their win over Miami. So, we'll talk with him. He's always positive and upbeat. He'll be with us tomorrow. Habo, as I mentioned, on Thursday. And that's that. So, be sure to just keep it right here. Don't forget, we have Jamie King every morning preceding us at 7 a.m. Jamie knows his sports. He used to uh, live up in the D.C. area and certainly was connected with folks up there in D.C. So, uh, tune in and listen to Jamie King and... And Robert the Bruce in the morning, 7 to 8. And, of course, uh, Matt Joseph at uh, 3 and Bob Black at 4. So we have four uh, local shows. Uh, It's a lot to tune into and to call into and participate and be a part of. That's the way it works. All right. Why don't we uh, get uh, get our pause here, hear from our fine sponsors. Uh, one more thing before we do that. One more thing before we do that. And we'll talk about this a little bit about uh, after our, our uh, visit with Coach Russ Houston from the Richmond Spiders, uh, the college AP and the coaches' uh, basketball preseason polls have come out. And the uh, Jay Hawkers 
Man, got to talk to this one about Christian Lord. She'll be back with us on Thursday. Oh, by the way, I haven't announced that until now. She had a Bambino and has been out for 12 weeks. She's, of course, back on uh, Channel 6 now. And she'll join us uh, Thursday and to get back talking sports. So that'll be fun to have her back. What a lovely lady and fun to have on uh, talking a little sports with us. But we'll go over. There are only three teams in the preseason, uh, top 25. And I'll let you know that uh, Virginia Cavaliers uh, in both polls are in the other receiving votes category. So they did get votes. They are there, but they're not in the top 25. Remember last year they finished 25-8. and Tied for first in the regular season conference play with Miami. And then they got to the final of the ACC tournament and lost to Duke. So they won the regular season or tied for the regular season title, made it to the ACC title game and got beat and then played Furman, I believe it was, the Paladins, and got beat uh, on a high and away (laughs) pitch. Uh, He threw the ball up with seven seconds. I'm guessing Kihei Clark thought there were maybe three or four seconds. I don't know. Or he's trying to get the ball back to someone. Uh, Listen, he he was a great player for Virginia for a long time. When he was good, he was very, very good. When he was bad, you know, some games he didn't play quite as well. Turnovers. Uh, But he also had assists to match them or pass them. And, and of course, we'll never forget if you're a Virginia fan, that rope he threw, the rope he threw against uh, Purdue, to uh, get that game into overtime to continue their uh, their travel to the pinnacle, the top of the mountain, and winning the NCAA tournament in 2019. They would not have done that if Kia Clark hadn't got back to that ball in a New York second, fired a rope, and, of course, um, uh, straight up with the ball. There was no hesitation, no bring it down, no dribble. There wasn't time for that. And that was Diakite who put it in to tie it. All right, we do. Uh, we need to get to the pause. It's eight fourteen right now. We'll return with Coach Hutzman, University of Richmond head football coach. Stay with us. Home for the Dallas Cowboys all season is one hundred six one ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. And welcome back, as promised, advertised, now delivered. Coach Russ Huseman of the Richmond Spiders football team, as you know, uh, had a road game this past weekend up at uh, Rhode Island. The Rhode Island Rams, number 22 in the country, when the Spiders got to town. And the Spiders uh, got, got, let me ask the coach this right away. First of all, good morning, coach. How are you? Doing good. How you doing, Al? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I would say you got the game off to a very good start. You had uh, what they had three turnovers. You forced them into three turnovers in the first half, and nothing better. I I don't think than the uh, very first play of the game. uh, Aaron Banks uh, picked off a pass from the Rhode Island quarterback. That was the first play of the game, wasn't it, Coach? Yeah, um, they tried to throw a post, and uh, Aaron was in great position and went up strong for the football and got it. And, uh, and we drove it down there and scored. Uh, you know, had a good possession there offensively. Uh, and so went down and scored, and that, that was a great way to start the game. 
I'll say. He only had the ball for two minutes and 41 seconds and barely even three minutes, 93 minutes and had uh, turned off the clock so far. And you got uh, De Janeiro, a uh, 12-yard pass from Coleman, and uh, that was it. Off and running seven zip in a great way to start the game with a turnover uh, that you forced uh, on the opposition. Uh, final score, of course, was 24-17 Spiders. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, I think Coleman and De Janeiro are uh, locking up a pretty good uh, rapport here on the football field on the gridiron. He had six catches, 132 yards, and two touchdown passes. Uh, that's they're, they're evolving into a pretty good pass and catch, aren't they? Well, Nick's good with anybody, to be honest with you. Um, he's had a really good year all year long. Uh, and, you know, we try to get the ball to him. Uh, he's our best wide out. He can do things with the ball in his hands after the catch. So we're really pleased with uh, how he's playing and you know, just, no matter who's throwing it to him, uh, you know, he, he's he's a quality wide receiver for us. He's doing the job, and you'd like to see that. Coleman, 13 for 25, a buck 94, two touchdown passes, two turnovers, two interceptions. And that's, of course, something I guess. That, now, when you get to the practice field, how do you address that and say, all right, let's cut out these interceptions? What do you do on the practice field to coach up the quarterback from, uh, from uh, making sure that it doesn't continue to happen? Well, it's not only interceptions. We've turned the ball way too, turned the ball over way too many times this year. We've got 16 turnovers, and uh, to be four and three with 16 turnovers is, is is pretty miraculous, to be honest with you. Um, and we we talked about it last night in the team meeting, and uh, you know I will emphasize it again with the coaches today when we get together in our staff meeting this afternoon. Uh, we have to we have to figure out ways not to turn the ball over. Um, you know, we had the two interceptions, but, you know, we fumbled, uh, you know, one time and we actually got back on it. Uh, it was a, a strip sack. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then the ball was kind of out a few other times, but they, you know, they ruled the ball carrier down. And, you know, it, it can't even be out at that point in time, whether you're down or not. You can't, you can't leave it up to replay because um, sometimes they can't see everything. So, you know, we, we have to do a better job and we have to emphasize it. Uh, as an offensive staff with our players, and uh, so I mean, we we, we got to do better than what we've been doing. Well, coach, in this game, of course, it was a little bit back and forth. They tied the game at seven late in the first quarter. Then uh, they came back with a field goal early in the second quarter, led ten seven. And then midway through the second, a nice sixty-nine yard touchdown pass, fourteen to ten, and you never relinquish the lead. But as you, you know, as coaches feel, there's no safe lead, so to speak. Uh, but you did it up in the fourth quarter. Uh, again, you t- you built the lead to seventeen to ten, and then twenty-four to ten with only about a little under five minutes to go. But coach, you, you made a little change. You brought Wickersham back in. Uh, he'd been injured. You brought him in. Coleman had been starting the last couple of games. What was the purpose of that? Well, we knew we had to bleed time off the clock. We knew we had to run the football, and you know you can run the ball better when your quarterbacks are running threat. Cam's not a a big running threat kind of guy. Uh, Wickersham is a big, powerful kid that can run the football. So, you know, we had to have that uh, dynamic on that drive, and and obviously we did because, you know, Kyle did a great job. We mixed in some quarterback runs in there, and actually is, you know, we scored on a, uh, you know, quarterback uh, power play there, uh, you know, towards the end of that drive, at the end of that drive. And so, you know, it just really – it really helped us um, 
hang on to the football, get first downs. You know, at that point in time, in my mind, you know, you're thinking, all right, let's get a field goal, make it 20 to 10, at least get as much time off the clock as we can, and then and then uh, hopefully our defense can hang on. Um, but, you know, Kyle got a big hole in there and, and busted it through for about a seven-yard touchdown run. Um, you know, and then it was just, um, you know, a matter of we had to tackle, we had to get them on the ground. Um, you know, they made a great catch on the sideline. Um, you know, I, I thought he was out of bounds. As a matter of fact, I was standing right there. And, you know, replay couldn't <clears> – <throat> you know, the replay is not – you know, the greatest in the world. It's just about as good as we can get it. And, you know, they couldn't overturn that one. Um, you know, it was a big play. Um, you know, we had another sack. And, you know, quarterback kind of, he's, I don't even know if he was down or not, just flips it out. You know, a couple mm-hmm. things there. But, uh, you know, they, they did a great job. And they, they, they got it down the field and they scored. We got the onside kick. Nick, Nick DeGenero got that one. And, um you know, and all we needed was a first down, and um, you know we didn't get it, but we got a great punt. You know, kept them inside the fifteen yard line, and at that point in time, you know it was, it, it, you know, they threw one to the end zone, couldn't re- quite get it to the end zone from where they were. Uh, we batted it down and won the game. So, um, you know, all I think all three phases had a part in in, in this victory. Uh, last Saturday. I was going to say, you averaged 46 yards a, a punt. That's darn good. And one inside the 20, and boom, one for over 50. And so, yeah, the, the, you, know, you say the special teams did it as well. Uh, you know, the, the, I said yesterday that uh, talking about Washington winning against Atlanta, and you know, the stats could be for losers. And I don't recall exactly off the top of my head, but Washington had under 200 yards of total offense. Atlanta had over 400, yet Washington won the game. Three turnovers, second half. And against uh, Washington, got against Atlanta, created turnovers. But here's the situation now. Again, same thing for you guys. I mean, uh, they outpassed you, uh, 367 to 194. You outrushed them. You doubled them up in rushing. But total yards, they had more yards. But the bottom line is that doesn't matter. There's that old saying about stats are for losers. Sometimes they're for winners, but often you can find stats are for losers. And the bottom line is y'all won the game. You won the game and uh, with less yardage. And it's it's just efficient play, coaching, execution got it done for you. Well, and, and you know, our defense created, they got kind of down near the red zone, you know, where you can, you know, kick field goals. And, you know, we got two sack fumbles there. Uh, actually, you know, big-time plays by our defensive line. We had six sacks in the game. Yeah. And two caused two, caused two fumbles there and got on them both when they were down in the red zone. And that makes a difference, you know. But they threw the ball 50 times. You know, obviously they dropped back 56 times. Um, you know, we held them under their yards. Uh, we held them under their yards per attempt average by two yards. Um, and, you know, we created some turnovers. And, um, and that's the name of the game. I mean, I'm sure they're kicking themselves right now, turning the ball over there. You know, a couple field goals, and you never know how that thing goes. Well, it, it, uh, it, it the six sacks are impressive. And what uh, uh, Jeremiah Grant had three by himself, didn't he? Yeah, he played a great game. Uh, you know, three sacks in there, and uh, you know we had a, we had a bunch of those guys step up on the front four. Um, you know, we we didn't play great. You know, we are okay in the secondary. Um, we know we gave up a, a little stupid long play down to the 
you know, down to the four-yard line, and uh, we actually held them on that drive to a field goal. So, you know, but we can't give up the big plays. We're giving up too many big plays defensively, and, you know, we're turning the ball over too much on offense. We've got to clean those things up if we want to continue to – uh, to win and, and play for a championship. Well, you've got another game coming up on the schedule this week. Uh, you're playing down at North Carolina A&T, and then another game, and then a, a bye week after that. But right now, on the fo- the focus is North Carolina A&T uh, on the road, one o'clock next Saturday. You can hear it right here on one zero six one ESPN. The Spiders go for win number five and to move to four and one in the conference uh, down at Campbell coming up on Saturday. The, excuse me, down North Carolina A and T. I apologize. Coach Campbell comes up the week later. Anyway, um, the uh, tell us about Campbell. They're now they're zipping. Uh, they're what zipping uh, three and in, in the conference and one and five overall. Okay, that's their record. Tell us about the team, though. Their offense, defense, the things you need to stop on their offense, and what your defense can do to keep them from getting in the end zone. Well, I mean, obviously they're one in five, but they played uh, Villanova and Delaware, two of the two of the leaders in the league here. They played Elon, who's one of the three or four leaders in the league. So they played three really good conference teams. They played North Carolina Central, who's really a good football team, and in, and in Alabama Birmingham, um, which is an FBS program. So you know they they played a really tough schedule. They played they played good football. There's no question about that. You know, offensively, they got two really, two really good running backs um, who can can make you miss, can break tackles. You know, they're running the ball really, really well this year. Um, they got a freshman quarterback who's pretty dynamic, and uh, you know, he can get, you know he can run with the ball. They're not throwing the ball very well. They're not trying to throw it a lot. Um, they're they're leaning on their running game offensively. Defensively, they're pretty good. Um, you know, they they can run. Um, you know, they're pretty stout up front. Um, they're well coached on the defensive side of the ball. Vincent Brown, who I worked with, and he was at William and Mary, and did a great job there as, as a defensive coordinator. They're really good on defense. You know, and then special teams. Um, you get, they do a great job with their special teams there. They've got two kickoff returns for touchdowns this year. They lead the league. Obviously, in that, mm-hmm. um, and 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 they pop some big ones there. So, um, you know, special teams is going to be a challenge for us this week. We've got to be we've got to be great on special teams. Um, we've got to have the ability to to stop the run. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if we're going to hold them to 50 yards rushing uh, like we have the last couple weeks, but you know, we we've got to limit the the big plays in the running game and get them on the ground. And not let that quarterback beat us with his legs. Well, it's you know, you are what your record is is the same, but then there's also matchups and how teams match up. Every game, a snow, like snowflake, different, and you have different matchups, and uh, you know, things can things can go awry when you're planning them. So certainly, looking forward to a spider win uh, down at NCA and T. I know it won't be easy. Every time you go out in the Coastal Athletic Association, you're in for a dogfight. Generally speaking, because they're, they're good teams top to bottom in the CAA. So best of luck to you. On Saturday, good luck as well as execution. I know the coach will be there, and uh, look forward to you bringing back a win to Richmond and for the Spiders. Coach, always a pleasure to have you on. Russ Houston, the head coach of the Spiders. Thank you, sir, for joining us as always.
Thanks, Al. Good to be on with you guys. Thank See you. Y'all. All right. Thank you, Coach Eastman. All right. We'll take a pause and return right here on 1061 ESPN. Stay with us. Mitch Tischler coming up when we return. Did you know that you can find the best radio station on your dial in HD? Well, you can. Catch us on your HD dial at 103.7 HD2. Just another place to find your home for sports in the capital city. ESPN Richmond. We are here live and talking sports right here on 1061 ESPN. I'm Big Al. This is Sports Fun. We thank you for tuning in on 1061 ESPN. Robert the Bruce on the other side of the glass. And uh, there's uh, the AP men's college basketball top 25 out. And also have a copy of uh, looking at the, um, the coaches. This is the coaches top 25 we have that as well we'll get to that momentarily before we went to a pause i mentioned that um emmanuel forbes played zero snaps in atlanta after playing in as i said earlier anywhere from 32 to 38 to 92 percent of the snaps in the prior games all the previous games the uh eagle game or excuse me buffalo game he didn't play too much he played in that Eagle game, and it showed. And he got pulled out of the Bears game because he was getting used like a rented donkey three times over, and then did not play a snap. It's just he's getting beat. Uh, he was replaced by Danny Johnson, and I mentioned this earlier. Uh, he had had a pass breakup on fourth down uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh St. Juice intercepted a pass in the end zone. Next possession, veteran Danny Johnson, who replaced Forbes, um, had that pass breakup I mentioned. So, you know, you know Rivera says it's, a, it's an opportunity for him to get a little re- reset, is what, uh, is what uh, the cigar man said, cigar store Indian said. Uh, watch, he wants to see how he can watch things, see how things happen, see how things go, is what Rivera said. Hopefully it's something he'll learn from and take a positive and grow from it. Because, yeah, right now, there's been a damn crappy draft they had last April. Nobody's doing nothing but playing. How's that for English? Nobody's not doing anything except on special teams, and that's not much. So, right now, the wide now, you know, draft choices, especially first and second round, you kind of expect them to get some playing time and play well. That's why they're drafted first and second round. Uh, you don't expect everybody that, gets, that makes the team to play a lot. And sometimes you take that step back where they ain't playing much of anything. And that's what's going on uh, with, uh, with Forrest. He ain't doing much of anything. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Derek Forrest is also, I think he's, what, second year now? Second or third year now. And uh, he's good. He's a ball man. He gets to the ball, Derek Forrest. And so, anyway, uh, as I said, rookie Quan Martin in the second, he uh, they used him in that game in some nickel and dime pack packages, which is, I think, his first real action of the year. I think he was a little nicked up earlier. And so... Anyway, what are they going to do with Forbes? So will he play next week? 
Rivera said to that question, well, we'll see how things go. Each week is a different week. Each week is a different opponent. That's how we're going to approach it, based on who we play and what the game plan is. Uh, Del Rio and East Forbes in, playing in mostly in packages with three cornerbacks. Then in week four against Philadelphia, he, he trusted Forbes uh, to cover A.J. Brown. I mean, you could shoot lightning out of one one cannon and and uh, and, and AJ Brown out of the other. It'd be a dead heat. I mean, he's he's fast, like Tariq Hill down in Miami by way of Kansas City. He's fast, and so is Devonta Smith on the other side. They got two very fast uh, wide receivers up in Philadelphia. Speed kills. So what are they going to do this week with the New York football giants and uh, their quality receivers? And who will be the quarterback, Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor up in New York? So uh, anyway, Forbes got <laughs> he did he got torched. That poor young man got he got his butt kicked six ways to Saturday. Uh, Washington wanted to play through it. He did, but against the Bears, they'd seen enough when they got Moore. Who I don't think he done much all year. It was only the what the the fourth game anyway or fifth game anyway. But still, he hadn't done a lot. But he lit him up again. He had 230 yards. Now, all that didn't come against uh, Forrest because he did get pulled. Uh, that happened. He got pulled. Sayonara, you're sitting down there, young man. You can watch this game and you can learn from it. So, uh, but my kids, uh, Moore just, he made him look like he was in high school. DJ Moore? Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Oh, you just you didn't say his first name. Yeah, so. I, I knew his initials. Yeah. And we'd, uh, uh, it was a DJ Moore. I knew it was two initials, but uh, anyway, yeah. I was, I know as I saw his back a lot in that game. Yeah, so you knew his last name. I knew his last name. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't miss that one. Anyway, Forbes got burned again in the fourth quarter. Jack Del Rio dogfight put him on the pine. On the pine, excuse me. Um, <laughs> so there you have it. And this week they said, uh, young man. The, uh, have a seat here at the end of the bench and watch and learn, or stand on the on the um, you know sideline and watch and do that. So that's uh, that's important. Learn, 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 learn. And uh, Forbes said, of course, his, his was you know one thing I had to learn: the game is bigger than me. I'm glad we got the win against Atlanta. Yeah, and just, just he's enjoying the process, and he said, "I can't do anything but go to work and get try to get better each day." So anyway, we'll see. We shall see what happens with Forbes uh, this coming Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Richmond Dragways where they're playing. So, <laughs> uh, so the Eagles have a cornerback called Darius Slay, and we've heard of him. We know him. He's good. He went to Mississippi State, as did Forbes, and he texted him. Uh, or got you know, social media, I guess, text him. So keep your head up, Forbes. I was benched back in uh, back-to-back games my rookie year. Keep working. Uh, you'll be great. you get to be great. So that was nice of the Philadelphia corner. Slay to say that. So there you have it. So anyway, the uh, Cowboys uh, last night with their win over the Chargers. See, the LAC, I think of the L.A. Clippers because that's what they're designated in the, uh, by print media. Uh, total net yards, Dallas had 342, L.A. had 272. And uh, they ran the ball okay, 26 for 96, not great. And uh, the, the Chargers, 23 for 53, which is bad. 
Yeah, time of possession was about even 16-second difference. Cowboys win, Cowboys win, and uh, all the members of the bovine cartel are happy as little clams running around. Philadelphia, five Arizona, three just to refresh, and Texas, five, four over Houston. Uh, Philadelphia got out of the box in a hurry. Uh, home run from Schwarber's uh, name. What did the guy, what did the Philadelphia guy call? We had the Schwarbaum. Cl- Schwarbaum. We had the clip from it. Thank you for getting that. Schwarbaum to open the bottom of the first uh, with a run. Then Hoppe, uh, who f- is his birthday yesterday. How old was he? You probably 31. Know. Yeah. 31's right. You win. Take the rest of the day off. So, uh, yeah, he did. Uh, Harper hit a home run. Well, then Harper hit another one. Uh, later. He's, he's playing well. Uh, he's playing. He's playing well. Yeah, I saw a headline earlier. Let me let me see what you think about this one. Um, I was first of all. Let me correct one thing. I, I thought Scherzer was going to pitch last night. He's pitching tomorrow night in Arlington, Texas, for the home of the Rangers. It was uh, Evaldi who pitched. and He pitched well. So anyway, uh, let me ask you this. Oh, the headline I read or I saw was Phillies built for postseason play. Now, I understand that in in college basketball, for example, people say, well, this seems good to do well. They're built for postseason play. They call it different. You play it different. Uh, But when you play play 162 games and you got playoffs, what are you doing in baseball? What are you going to do in baseball that's built – for the postseason. I mean, you've got your pitching, you have your defense, you have your lumber guys. I mean, what is it you're doing different than other teams that you're built for postseason play? I, you know, I'm sitting here going, well, you have the same guys that are playing all year that went, I think, what, 90 and 72 and 14 8, 14 games out. Uh, your pitching staff is the same. You, you added Scherzer July 30, 31, like Houston added Verlander. And other than that, you know, I mean, what do you do different to build a team that's, that's built for the playoffs in baseball when you play that many games and your roster pretty much stays the same? What is it that's different about them in the postseason than in the regular season? Or is that a writer's crutch just to say that? What do you think there? I'm asking you there, horse. I think they are built for the postseason. Okay, I, I think there they, you go. I think they do a better job of playing as a team, playing for each other. I just uh, Atlanta felt more like individuals. From me watching, this is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I know Braves fans probably feel differently. From watching the Braves over the last few years compared to the Phillies, the Braves feel like the, obviously the more talented team, but they feel <laughs> more like individuals. Meanwhile, the Phillies feel like one unit. That's just how I view it. Well, don't they do that during the regular season too? I, I mean, I don't, I don't watch closely enough to yeah. say that. I'm just off, based off the games that I have watched. Uh-huh. That's that's the feeling I get, and uh-huh. it just seems. I guess the Phillies kick it in a higher drive at a certain point. I don't know how that works in sports. There's always there's always teams that do that. I don't. I like I said, I've never. I've never played sports past high school at, a, at mm-hmm. that kind of level, so I don't know how that mentality works, but it seems like every year that it's, it's like this. In the last two years, the Phillies have been better prepared in their series with the Braves, and maybe it is a mental edge or it's just the Phillies get going at a certain time, but it has felt like they're more playoff ready. And I think they're more of a unit, one unit when it comes mm-hmm. to 
time to do it. But how's that different from the regular season? That's I, I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's I mean that's what I mean. Built for the playoffs. They're built for the regular season and built for the playoffs. Right. And I understand your point. I think it's a good point about their uh, they. Um, it seemed more of a, a cohesive unit yeah. that pull harder for, hard for each other. I would think the Braves pull hard for each other. Uh, you, you hope they're not just individuals. And how does that affect the postseason from the from the regular season? Why is that different in the postseason than the regular season? I just was wondering about that headline and wondering if it was a headline writer's crutch or the writer came, you know, the writer who wrote it. That was what the story was about because I didn't read the story. What is it that's different? What's different about the postseason? Aren't they playing and pulling for each other in the regular season as well as the postseason? I mean, it's a rhetorical question. It's not one that necessarily has to be answered because we don't know why they all of a sudden they ratchet it up. Maybe it's just that extra spark, but then wouldn't you have that spark all year long? Because that's what you want to do is win as many games as you can. So anyway, that's where they stand. One zip and three games away from the World Series again are the Phillies. Rangers just a pair. Houston needs to win four out of five or four in a row to get to the uh, get to the World Series. Uh, one quick note, but and we'll get to the basketball coming up. I hadn't forgotten that. Don't worry, the NCAA basketball top twenty-five. It's eight forty-seven. Let me tell you this: Tiger Woods has announced his field uh, for the um, twenty twenty-three Hero World Championship. And, of course, it's in the Bahamas. He does it every year. He, he picks the players. It's his little gathering. And it's only, I think, what, 18 players that are on this uh, in this field. I thought it was 30, but it's 18, I believe. It's, uh, it'll be held November 30th to December 3rd in the Bahamas. The big, one of the big questions is, will Woods himself play? You know, he can play competitively since withdrawn from the Masters. Do you believe it's been that long? That is that is I mean, pretty wild. Since the Masters, he hadn't played competitively, so he made the cut. Ankle surgery a short time later, of course, and uh, religious accent, which has now been pushing three years. February of twenty one. That's hard to believe. He could have killed himself and, and or others. He lucky he didn't get killed or kill others. Like I said. Uh, Scotty Scheffler will be in the tournament, and uh, you got Keegan Bradley, Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley, Wyndham Clark, Jason Day, Tony Finau, Matt Fitzpatrick, Ricky Fowler will be there, which would be good to see, and others: Harmon, Homa, uh, Hovland, Morikawa, Shoffley, uh, Scheffler, Spieth, Straka, Justin Thomas, Cameron Young, and Will Zalatoris. So there you go. That's the field as of right now. So there you have it. And that's that. All right, let's take a pause. Feel free to call in. The number is 327-0888-327-0888-915. Mitch Tischler, NBC Sports Washington, will join us to talk about, oh, I don't know, let's say the uh, Aleutian Eskimos up in Alaska, you know, for representing the islands, the Aleutian Islands. No, we'll talk some Washington uh, commanders, mule skinners, football when we – Meet up with him at 9.15 this morning. Stay with us, won't you? This is 1061 ESPN. I'm Big Al at Sports Phone. Robert the Bruce, other side of the glass. Stay with us. Exclusive radio home for all things Spiders athletics in the River City all year long.
We're here live and talking sports, and uh, we've, we've, I said we've covered a little golf, covered football, obviously. We haven't talked college football today, but uh, we did certainly yesterday, and the games are coming up this weekend. We do have the Virginia uh, the games from the Commonwealth that are being played, and update you on that now. And then at 9, we'll start a little men's college basketball talk. As far as the top 25 at 9.15, we'll have Mitch Tischler from Washington Football. And after that, we get back to a little bit of uh, college basketball to wrap up the uh, the morning at 10 o'clock here. So uh, feel free to call and ask a question about any you know, sports. We had a game last night in football. We had two baseball playoff games. We've got the college top 25 in basketball, college top 25 in football. We've got games coming up this weekend. As college football just continues to grow to a crescendo, and the title game will be uh, – now, let me guess without anybody whispering in my ear what they think about this. I just want to flat out, flat out guess. I'm thinking the, the NCAA title game will be Monday, January 8th. Sound right to you? Yeah, I like that. That sounds <laughs> you good. Like it? I think, I think it's, it's, on a it's usually yeah, that Monday, second Monday in January. Now they've been doing the playoffs and all that kind of thing. And in 25, we'll finally find out with 12 teams when they'll play. That could go a week later. And uh, since 24 is a leap year, it could be uh, Monday the 13th of January in 2025 because of the, the leap year. All right. Uh, oh, football in the state this week. Uh, Madison plays Thursday night at Marshall, 7 o'clock. And you said that's on which network? ESPN. Just regular ESPN. That's right. Good. It'll be going up against the Jaguars and Saints. And probably a baseball game or two. That's right. Uh, Kurt Signetti has dubbed this one a trap game. So uh, I guess maybe point a a little bit of gamesmanship with Marshall. Well, that means he thinks they're better than Marshall. Yep. All right. Uh, Richmond will play at NCA&T, as we mentioned, 1 o'clock on Saturday here, right here on 106.1 ESPN. Norfolk State travels to Howard. Uh, Virginia Union will host Lincoln. Which Lincoln would that be? Uh, Shenandoah. Daughter of the Stars is at Randolph-Macon. Randolph-Macon will not treat them like daughters of any stars, that's for sure. They score, and they play defense. They score, 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 and play defense more. The generals, we used to have a general call in here and talk about the Washington League Generals, a gentleman probably a few years older than I am, and he talk about the Washington League Generals, a big fan he went there, obviously. They're playing the Hampton-Squidney Tigers uh, down in Farmville, or Hampton, Sydney, this weekend. That'll be, uh, I don't have the start time on Henry and Henry. Emory and Henry will play at one. Christopher Newport at one. Who else do we have? VMI. Coming off a big win at the Citadel. Man, that was great. They went down there, and they played, and they were losing. I checked my phone. I was in Charleston. I didn't go to the game. I didn't really even ride by the stadium. Uh, I had other things I wanted to do. Visit with my daughter was the primary thing, and that's what was accomplished. So we had a good time all weekend, the two of us. Uh, let's see. VMI is playing Samford. Not Stanford, but Samford. And the AD down there is a good friend of Johnny Averett. Speaking of Averett, Bridgewater will play at John Averett 2 o'clock on Saturday. Virginia State will host Elizabeth City State. And what else do we have? William and Mary back after a week and losing to Virginia. And losing to Elon the week before. Do you think they want to win on Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say you bet your... Your, what your package of Twinkies they do, don't they? Towson is going to be playing down at William and Mary this uh, Saturday at three thirty. It's a kickoff. Ah, uh, boy, 
And we got Jer- uh, Farron playing Guilford. And Virginia is at 630. Uh, 6.30. At North Carolina. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. Call it like it is. The Hokies are off this week after a win against Wake Forest last week. And a good win at that. So they're off. And then Appy State will be playing who? Old Dominion. Are you going? Let's go. Let's leave here at three thirty. Uh, go down there, get a t- uh, little tailgate going. That's right. And watch your Monarchs take care of the Appy State Mountaineers, right? I like that idea. They're not a tailgate down there in Norfolk. There's a, not a lot of tailgate. So they know how to tailgate. Oh, they know how to tailgate. Trust they, me they have a parking lot big enough to tailgate. Oh, to big time. All right. I've been to Foreman Field since nineteen seventy four. It was a very hot day in August of seventy four. It was a great concert. All right, Donkey. So uh, I'll drive, and we'll get. Uh, Get what we need. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Today on 